0: Hello everyone and welcome to episode 60 of DM Discussions, the podcast for players and DMs alike where we cover a wide variety of topics to help you with your games. I'm your host Ryan Reader and with me as always is my New Year's resolution, Ben Bumhaber. How you doing Ben? I don't know exactly what that means, so I'm good? It's just a theme. It's the, it's the theme.
1: Yeah, like, okay.
0: New Year, New Year, New Us, yeah. New Episode. But how am I the resolution that that's just it's confusing. New Year's resolution. I mean, it sounded good in my head. Eh, whatever. It's still good. All I maybe care about, it's to spend more time with you.
1: Hey, I like that. That
0: works. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Preferably talking about D&D stuff.
1: Oh, definitely. And who knows, yeah. maybe actually getting together in person at some point in playing.
0: Oh, man, that would be so much fun. I think we just so. need this global pandemic to stop. Yeah, it's totally on. That would be way. super. That'd be super cool. <laughs> For if, so, if many so many yeah, reasons. So many reasons. Oh, my gosh. We are back. Yeah, uh, this is the first episode of 2022, and we are very excited. We got lots of fun stuff this year. There's lots of cool known and unknown D&D releases uh, coming this year. In fact, I mean, we could talk about it. Later in the thing, but we've got uh, the Taldore Reborn mm-hmm. campaign setting coming out, I believe, next week.
1: Yeah, yeah, like on the eighteenth a- or something places, like that, and then everywhere else on the thirtieth or something. Hmm.
0: Hmm.
1: Luckily, there's a Darrington Press store in Phoenix, so I might just have to go uh, track that down and see if I can get a copy.
0: I need to. I need to see if I have a if there's a store uh, on their guild thing that's close uh, on their list. So I can I can go pick that up in person. Looks fun. I have the original uh one from the, the Green Ronin. Uh and it'll be really cool to see that upgraded in essentially every single way. Definitely. Uh new content, new art, revised stuff. Uh yeah, it'll be it'll be super fun. And I mean, uh that's a lovely companion to the Critical Role animated series that's coming out like on the twenty eighth. Of this month, <laughs> yes. which I am super stoked for. Campaign one was one of my first intros to D D slash D D actual play, and so that that holds a, a special place in my heart for really getting me interested in D and lot, exactly. uh, and has so many wonderful storylines in in Campaign one. So I'm really hoping uh, they've already confirmed. Uh, season one has twelve episodes. And they're dropping them in batches of three each week. Um, And they've already confirmed they're working on a season two. So I'm Mm -hmm. hoping it does well. uh, And so that they can keep this momentum going. I would love to see the entire story of campaign one told in animation. That would be be really neat. Incredible. That'd be super cool. I'm really hoping season two is the Chroma Conclave.
1: Oh, it would have to be because yeah, it's, it's, otherwise next so yeah, otherwise they're skipping everything and jumping right into vecna
0: is that is there really only like three major is there really only like three major arcs well i mean they had the the
1: craghammer stuff beforehand that's where you jump in
0: that's true yeah they'll so probably they, have they, go they might that. allude to that a little bit and
1: then the 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 trip to Vasselheim, and then from there uh once they get back to uh the the main on, thank you. I couldn't think of on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then you know that's when they jump into the Briarwoods. Yeah, so it goes yeah, from Briarwoods to Chroma Conclave to to Vecna.
0: Yeah. It sounds like they're probably skipping the Craghammer piece because we're mm-hmm. getting like the first like two episodes or whatever are the uh, prequel type thing. Yeah, like pre recording. Yeah, pre recorded uh, home game stuff, and then like a ten episode series of the briarwood arc then yeah i would guess you'd have a season of chroma conclave and then a season of build up the vecna yeah yeah so you could probably do you could probably do it all in roughly three seasons and
1: then you know in all honesty if it's as popular as it's going to be they always have the possibility of you know adapting mighty nine they have the possibility of adapting the the new you know campaign three i mean it could be something that continues on.
0: Oh, totally. It'll, I'm very interested to see, like, I I feel like we're insulated a little bit because like a million people is super cool, like big, or (laughs) feels, feels good big. And, uh, and, you know, 60,000 people watching weekly feels really big and a million views on YouTube per episode and that type of stuff. Um, But in the terms of shows, that's really kind of small fries Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. So it'll be really interesting to see if that catches on with the wider audience. Yeah. Well, I think the fact that... Because that's what it's going to need for them to to get more. Definitely. I don't think the core critical role fandom can support it. Yeah. On its own. The
1: fact that... um... Amazon prime already had like uh, invincible on there as a, you know, very mature cartoon. And I mean, that was all over the place. And at least it, it's really hard to tell. because There's,
0: there's certainly precedent
1: for, it. yeah, no question
0: for, for like quality adult animation. Yeah. It seemed to be very
1: popular. So, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm opinion. very
0: hopeful. I'm very hopeful. I would, I would love to see it succeed and do well. Same here. But, but I digress. That's yes. that's some cool stuff that's coming soon. Uh, but we've got our own cool stuff we're doing. Uh, so we're going to be talking about two different things tonight, as, as always. Uh, we're going to start out with a Monster Fixer segment, the first of 2022. And then we're going to jump into a new segment called Encounter Themes. Ooh. And this is kind of building off uh, an email that we got. Uh, but we'll get there when we get there. Yes. So monster fixer this is this is one uh, that i actually am fairly excited about because i feel like this is a very um underused enemy type uh and we're gonna be talking a little bit about gnolls tonight and i feel like gnolls in a lot of ways play second fiddle to goblins and orcs
1: yeah they're not as, as
0: popular yeah, because goblins and orcs are kind of almost your stereotypical, uh, like, if you need something, some generic bad guys or some generic, you know, monsters or roving band or something like that, goblins and orcs are, are an easy go-to, right? Um, gnolls are a lot more interesting. And, uh, and I mean, I hate to just, like, point back to, to Critical Role again, but... Um, Season or campaign two, I thought had one of the coolest depictions of gnolls that I have seen. Just kind of, kind of period. Um, it had a really cool arc. I actually, and I, and I've been talking about it. I recently in my one of my campaigns did a null arc, um, and it they're they're very interesting creatures because they I think they have the potential to have a ton of personality mm-hmm. that is very different from either like your average humanoid bandit or your orc or your, your, your goblin. Um, unfortunately they're pretty boring. Yeah. Stat block wise. Just a bit. That like, if you look at art for them, if you look at the theming for them, they are these, Giant, towering, powerful, scary, kind of, kind of a maybe. I don't know. Uh, a little, little off their rocker in some ways. Uh, I can see that. Depending on how you want to play them, or you could play them very intelligent. Uh, I mean, the the possibilities are endless. But that you can lean into some of that. Almost horror type elements. Mm-hmm. I feel like with gnolls. Yeah,
1: I mean, for the most part, it like basic gnolls that you're going to find in the Monster Manual are you know very low intelligence, very ferocious, you know, very kind of savage. You know, they go around just, just you know th- think of like the depiction of the hyenas and the Lion King is kind of what what you're thinking. That's
0: of. that's always like my first like picture that comes yeah. in my head. Like exactly. that kind of creepy, uh, a little a little off. Uh yeah, slightly unhinged. Little like joker ish. Mm-hmm. Almost. Yeah, I can see that.
1: And I mean, sure, you can definitely play it that way. No one's stopping you. But doing unexpected things and and changing monsters is exactly what we're doing for Monster Fixer. And you know, the, going off of just kind of the base thing, easiest thing that you can do is just give them pack tactics, we, you know, if you're not using flanking rules, um, you know, if you're using like actual flanking rules, pack tactics is, you know, kind of not a thing, but it, it, if I remember correctly, that's like within like, what, five feet of another, so, you know, you get advantage mm-hmm. that way and stuff, yeah, so yeah. you get that. Um You know, again, if you want to really lean into like the ferocity of it, maybe do uh, like a Constitution saving throw with their bite attack, so that you know maybe they're rabid, you know, in some sort. Like, if you want to lean that way, there's there's ways that we can fix that. But Ryan, what do you have to go out of the norm?
0: Out of the norm. Well, like if you if you do a little search, most of your gnolls right now are in the one half to two yeah. CR rating. They're all, they're pretty they're low. minions. So one of the, one of the fun things I like to do is power them up a little bit. It's, it's makes them, I think more interesting and more scary. If you come across like your normal gnolls running at CR two and, You know, some of the bigger ones maybe being CR3, CR4, that type of thing. Um, Also, they're all fairly generic. Basically, you know, bite, spear, maybe longbow attack. They all have this thing called rampage, which when they reduce a a creature to zero hit points with a melee attack, they can take a bonus action to move up to half their speed and make a bite attack. Okay. How often is that going to happen? Incredibly seldom, probably. Uh, Unless you so, really
1: up their CR,
0: yeah. Um, so the, you want to give them, give them something different. These are big, powerful creatures. Um, kind of riffing off the the Lion King thing, like bone chewers. Uh, having them uh, be in that powerful type range. One of the one of the things I can't kind of came up with was this like bone breaker attack. Ooh. Where, as a bonus action, uh, the gnoll can use it, try and use its brute strength to impair the target. And you can make a strength check con- contested by the target's strength or dexterity check. And on a failure, you break a bone and the target's movement speed is halved until they receive healing of some sort.
1: Ooh, that's nice.
0: So, that's kind of just a, an interesting thing. It's, oh, uh, they rushing crushing your mobility in some ways or something like that. Yeah. Um, another fun thing you can do, there are no really null casters. And so, building null casters can make things super interesting. I always envision null casters as kind of more the, like, shaman, druid exactly. type route. So, um, having, uh, fire type spells, healing type spells, uh, earth type spells with like grasping vines or, you know, thorns or different, different things like that. Like insect swarm, um,
1: just exactly. anything along those lines. To
0: help shake up the battlefield and be unexpected. Cause you can, you can take basic stats like from a, a null pack lord. Or something like that. This is CR2. You can take basic stats from that, tweak it a little bit, add some spells, and then flavor it. Uh, you see this knoll in this rotting, like, leather cow hood hold up, one eye missing as it raises its hand. You see green energy emanating and uh, jumping between its clawed fingertips as vines shoot out of the ground and. Attempt to ensnare you, you know, stuff like that, to shake up the battlefield a little bit, shake up the enemy types a little bit. Uh, they can make some really interesting early caster type enemies uh, for for your characters. So,
1: yeah, stuff like that. Um, so I, I like the idea of again, just kind of like the the unhinged version of them, you know, where they're they're not exactly thinking of their own safety, and I just. I just give them dynamite. Why not? You know, it's the, have some sort of weird explosives that they can toss, have maybe have it on a delay. It can kind of help kind of, you know, crowd control the battlefield. People don't want to be, you know, in certain sections and stuff. But the idea is that, you know, they stumbled upon this cache of dynamite from, you know, uh, I don't know, a mining cart or people who are going to, to resupply miners or something. And, they found out what it does, you know, who knows? It could be something just kind of crazy as that. Maybe they could be missing a hand because they found out the wrong way. Um, I just, I love the idea of just completely unexpected things like that. Um, even more so, you know, play into the scavenger theme. Give them better weapons. Give them better armor. You know, they're going around if, if they're really terrorizing all these people or 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 other beings or whatever have them actually scavenge the stuff that they're killing you know maybe they f- they found magic items that they can use you know if you have them low intelligence give them some sort of magic item that they like worship and praise and you know use against your players you know it all, the idea is really limitless on where you can go with this especially depending on you know the type of play that you're doing how you're running it and you know how intelligent you really want to make them I mean, can you imagine having a master strategist as a knoll who's able to, you know, have, you know, like this giant pack, have some of them waiting in the wings, waiting for, you know, the, the, the flag to be waved so that they'll rush in, have them do the whole, like, anytime there's a medieval movie, you can tell who the bad guy is because they'll shoot the arrows into the, the big skirmish when their people are in there, you know, just like stuff like this, just expand upon what you have and just have some fun with it and hey crazy unhinged gnolls are great super intelligent really vicious ones are also great
0: yeah and that's one thing i do really like about the gnoll pack lord is that they have the Insight rampage which is a, a recharge attack that lets um uh, one creature the gnoll can see within 30 feet of it can use its reaction to make a melee attack. If it can hear the gnoll Um, and has has the rampage trait, which all all gnolls do. And so that's I I love that fantasy of something directing the battle and allowing it to get extra attack. And that's that tactician type thing. Um, And one other thing, and this isn't just necessarily for gnolls uh, to really sometimes help players get into it and flavor things more. If you give all the creatures that are in the encounter a defining trait, like this gnoll is missing a hand. That one has a large scar above its eye. Uh, That one is missing two fingers. That one has a gigantic broadsword. That one is wearing this bright red uh, sash. Like when you do stuff like that and give defining features, that can help draw players in more and help them to identify who is, is who in the, in the encounter.
1: Yeah. Plus it instantly gives those, those uh, enemies characteristics and character building things. How did they lose their two fingers? Who knows? Why are they wearing a red sash? Did they win the null beauty pageant? So you know what's going on here.
0: The answer is yes.
1: Oh, Definitely. For miscongeniality.
0: Yep. Yeah. That's how that yeah. works. Uh one other really fun thing that you can do with these, and it, again, it's not necessarily limited to knolls. Um having other creatures fight beside them. Um hack hounds, uh, wargs, wolves, uh potentially even as mounts. Uh, because you can do a lot of interesting things when Your enemies have that sort of mobility and also it adds extra combatants into the fight if you need it, because now you have the the mount that can attack at will and or someone that can be knocked off of a mount uh, and have certain things happen. Uh, It's a great way for intimidation if you are surrounded by gnolls riding wolves (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or something like something like or, that or uh, just just because giant hyenas yeah noels riding giant hyenas yeah. why not yeah i mean they we're going super meta but yeah the, there's there's lots of really interesting things you can do um and kind of vary vary their attacks uh they've got stats for both like longbow and melee weapons so if you need to Mix up the mix up your weapon types that can differentiate things too. Uh, give someone like a whip. Give someone like a massive great club. Again, it's all about kind of differentiating these things and giving them story without having to necessarily narrate it. Exactly.
1: Cool. Um,
0: um, um, and... I think we'll kind of just sidle on in when talking about encounters to our encounter theme. Yeah, uh, I think yeah. that's a good way to go. Yeah. I, I mean, the, you could use gnolls in arena combat encounters, right? Oh, oh, I'm sure yeah. that they, they would could be, be running that. one. Yeah, they could be running one. So uh, in this first kind of encounter theme segment, we're, we're going off of this email That we got uh, that was asking about uh, running a sort of arena type encounter for their players and the different things that we could do that they could do to not, you know, just here's three fights, just three bland fights. I mean, you can do that, but there's a lot more you can do to kind of spice that type of thing up. Um, So I, I had replied back because in my first campaign, I had actually run a fairly complex arena fight uh, that I can kind of summarize a little bit of, Um, but we're going to talk a little bit about um, different things you could do for arena fights specifically. So what I replied back with was uh, back from my original game, and I, I think this is this was before we had started doing the podcast, so there's no like uh, home game summary of of this one, which is which is unfortunate because it, it was really cool, because uh, this was back in the good old days when you could actually get together and not worry about uh, the global global pandemic, and so I had prepared a whole bunch of stuff. I had a battle map. I had stuff all written up. We had the miniatures and everything going. So it was this big old circular arena in this giant city. And this was like a, like a for sport type thing. So I had built in mechanics to where if a player went down, they'd be surrounded by this shielded bubble. They could and stabilize and they could be revived later. Um, So arena fights are actually a great way to do some fun things or have your your players fight some really cool stuff, but also remove a little bit of the element of danger in as far as you're not going to die from this thing. So that kind of off the bat gives the impression of this is a little bit more for fun. Yeah. And so sometimes that will help players plan a little bit differently when they know, okay, I I really want to win this, but I can't die. Die. Um, So being able to plan kind of with that mindset uh, is helpful.
1: Definitely. Um, You know, I I do remember you actually speaking of uh, some sort of arena combat near the beginning of the show. Um, So there might might, have, there might be some in there because I remember you talking about how like the, the, the round was timed i remember like sections
0: would like burst into flame oh my gosh i so yeah i must have i must have mentioned it much it a little bit it, it's it's been uh, apparently 60 episodes um, Yeah, it's
1: been quite a while since that's quite happened. a while
0: yeah a lot so yeah based, <laughs> it really does uh we oh my gosh so much has happened uh but yeah so for my arena thing i had split it up into three rounds and the original round was the, the most simple. It was, it was some fighters, some casters. There was like some big pillars on the field to give some cover and stuff. And it, it was a fairly easy fight. It was a three-round thing. There's no short resting or anything in between. Just just potions essentially. Yeah. So you had to be you had to be ready. Um, and you, from a balanced perspective, you have to keep that in mind that. If you're going to go from one, two, three, you can't make each encounter deadly. Because <laughs> That'd be a little tough. The sum total will be deadly just because you are burning resources. Or as a player, if you're playing in one of these types of scenarios, make sure that you are conserving resources for later parts and you don't blow all your good stuff in the in the first round just knocking it down
1: yeah in that first round against three you know cr you know half Knowles.
0: exactly it's like i'm gonna cast uh, my fireball on you my only fifth level spell or whatever it is yeah 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 um so i had started it off pretty simple and then as the second round went the arena cracked and broke, and sections of it lifted into the air. Water poured into the bottom and was electrified. So you've got all these floating, little floating rock islands that are close enough that you could jump between them as long as you didn't lift the roll too much. Um, But if you did fall you would start taking damage until you were able to jump back up onto one of the lower floating rocks. So in the and of course, to make it even more interesting, the enemy they were fighting had knockbacks. Oh, and, and so that ended up making the, the, the battlefield incredibly dynamic and made it very interesting for, for me and the players uh, from just, trying to position correctly and trying to do all that stuff. So that was super cool. And then the final part, the water drained, everything went back down, and four statues rose up at the corners. And I took out a a physical hourglass that was timed to five minutes, and I flipped it. And I said, initiative starts now. And then I sat back and, and we started going the initiative order and I, the, the sense of urgency was so cool. Like there's, there's nothing like the sense of urgency that a real timer can provide as the players are going, uh, what's going on? What happens when the timer gets down? And then every time the timer fully went through one of the four sections, starting with the first one, (laughs) shot out and became fully engulfed in fire. And then I flipped it over again. And then the next section went and then they could start seeing a pattern. And after the fourth section, when I flip it again, two of the sections go at a time. And then after I flip it again, the other two go and then I flip it again and all four go at the same time. So it's a mechanic. It was a built in like soft rage mm-hmm. type of mechanic it's like you only have a certain amount of time to defeat these enemies who are immune to fire damage or it is going you are going to lose by attrition yeah so it was it was super 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 cool uh fight they ended up barely losing the third round there was one uh one enemy remaining when the the last one went down but it was it was incredibly memorable uh they still talk about it sometimes uh and so it was ton of fun uh and that's 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 most of my experience with like arena encounters but keep it dynamic keep it interesting make sure that you have additional elements either whether they be terrain or like layer action type things that happen on an issue 20 or um, some sort of movement uh, that sort of thing.
1: Exactly. And I mean, the big thing is, is make it um, not just, you know, two people standing in the same spot, swinging at each other, you know, give a lot of, of terrain, give a lot of, you know, places to hide, to run to, you know, make things destructible. um, And, I can't stress enough, like, you know, like Ryan was saying, have some sort of, you know, kind of layer action type thing going on, make it a living battlefield so that the, the things that they do matter, but also the battlefield has kind of a stake in what's going on and it can help kind of affect the outcome, but don't make it so that it targets a specific player. Make sure that it's always like a ranged thing, Um, you know, telegraph what's happening so that they'll know like, Oh, well the next round, um, that orb over there is going to shoot lightning to the north, you know, like have it, you know, switch off or switch directions or roll for it or something like that so that they know that something's coming. But overall, I mean, just make it something kind of cool and fun. That That's the big thing. Any sort of like a, an, an arena situation, you want to have something kind of themed with, you know, various locations, maybe have treasure lying around that could be, um, you know, health potions or some other type of potion that might give someone a a, a temporary advantage. Like, imagine having a, a a water breathing potion just in a chest somewhere, and then have this lagoon that they could jump in and be safe for a round or two. You know, like throw some things in there that'll change up the dynamic and and change up the, just the the level playing field, uh, just for fun.
0: Yeah, no, totally. And I love uh, I love how you. Um, mentioned telegraphing stuff because mm-hmm. I think that's that's super big that's kind of like you know the, the statues doing fire allow uh, have things that have patterns that your players can figure out because uh, that's, a, that's a really interesting way to add something else dynamic that you they may not know at the beginning but you give them the tools to figure out and then potentially be able to use it to their advantage yeah, can you imagine, like, a druid using their vine to
1: pull someone into the line of fire of something that's going to go off the next round? Like, you know, something like that is just going to be a really cool moment for that druid and potentially the person who gets hit as well. And guess what? You put the tool there for them to use. They took advantage of it.
0: Exactly. I'm a I'm a huge fan of battlefield movement abilities. Like, I think I think that just makes things way more interesting versus your melee and their melee get to a spot and then just hit each other for a while. Exactly. It it makes it far more interesting when there's movement in play or potential movement in play, whether it's getting knocked back or thrown or teleported or something like that, something to mix things up. Oh man. Can you imagine just a random teleport?
1: Where the positions of everybody just gets swapped, it just I've changes. actually
0: got some some fun examples. Oh, cool! When we, when we get down to the, the our, our what we've been doing.
1: Okay, I'm really looking forward to that.
0: Yeah, and, and I guess I guess I can kind of talk about it a little bit now because it it is fairly applicable to this. So I ran uh, on New Year's Day that 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 night, um, an an online thing with one of my one of my groups and we had kind of planned this a little while back and it was a PVP encounter. So I had all of them make level 15 versions of their characters. However, they wanted their characters to look at level 15. Very cool. And then I dropped, uh, I found this awesome map, um, on a Patreon. We'll have to, we'll have to link it, uh, or, 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 put in the, the thing I showed you. I know what the map, it basically was like four quadrants and then a circular center area. And each quadrant was a different theme. So one was more like a tropical jungle theme. One was like ice and snow. One was like electric aquatic type thing. And then one was like desert. And then you had this big, like, Whirlpool of sand surrounded by a circular stone platform with a bridge across it, this giant stone hand rising up from the middle of the of the whirlpool of sand, and then the whole big thing surrounded by one. Found it. And there was these big walls, um, these big walls in between each of the four quadrants. So basically I started all my characters off one in each quadrant. Uh, and then I had placed different, uh, a few like consumables in each quadrant that they could have looked for and found. And I believe one or two of them were found. Um, and then they basically, it was off to the races, right? I, I wrote up this entire, uh, almost, it's almost a page worth of mechanics and rules for how this, um, this arena was going to work. From a, from a PvP perspective. So for like the first two rounds, nothing happened. It kind of let them explore. And then layer actions started. And I rolled, I had basically made like two layer actions for each quadrant. And I rolled to see which two would go off each round. And so that kept it nice and random and the players could move around the quadrants. And uh, I kind of telegraphed when things were co- coming or when the layer actions were going to start uh and then after a few more rounds i started there the whole arena was basically surrounded by this fog right the fog started moving in and so i built in a mechanic to basically force it almost like a battle royale yeah i was gonna say you G'd them (laughs) yeah i built in a mechanic to basically force them eventually to the center point of the map so that they had to fight and they couldn't just hide and you know whatever for for several rounds or or minutes or or whatnot and so the fog forced them in because the fog did decent amount of force damage and each turn you spent in the fog would multiply so like if it was 46 i don't remember what i what I had off the top of my head, but if it was like 46 force damage, the first turn you stayed in the fog, the second turn you stayed in the fog, it would be a D six force damage. And then 16 D six force damage and so on and so forth. Um, You don't, you did not, it, it was enough that you did not want to be. in Oh yeah. The fog. And when you're in and, a battle Royale in
1: the first place, you don't want any extra damage anyway.
0: No. And so it was, it was super cool because I was able to, as the DM, I'm kind of a passive player in this, but I was still able to have an effect mm-hmm. on the battlefield with these different layer actions. Uh, I had put teleportation circles uh, in each of the quadrants that, if the person got in there, they rolled and they randomly appeared in one of the other quadrants, which was fun. Um, the middle, the middle point had a few fun things uh, like swapping the highest and lowest stat. Ooh. of each character that was in there when it went off for a round uh that happened and was super funny and interesting uh to see like basically all the characters just like bulk up because strength was the lowest score for most of them <laughs> uh, whereas the the warrior the fighter barbarian cleric multi-class just shrunk shrink down and have like a a negative two or something to their strength, <laughs> which threw their their attacks off too, and all the spell DCs got through It was it was super, super funny. Um and but yeah, it ended up it ended up that all that stuff ended up pushing them to the center and there was a giant one of the mechanics, the other mechanic to the center was a giant hand would come up. And if you didn't make the saving throw, it would grab you, do some damage pull back underneath the sand and then you would roll a D four to figure out where in the circle you would pop back up.
1: That's very And cool. so that,
0: that kept things fairly dynamic too. And so the, the layer actions ran for a little while and then they stopped at one point to basically, cause I didn't want layer any of the layer actions actually doing any of the killing blows. Uh, and I had even set it up to where if you died early, or something like that. You would basically go up to the this huge spirit in the sky. And would have uh, an attack on your turn. That uh, you could target anybody you wanted to. With like 2d12 of, of radiant damage. And they had to make a saving throw. Or or, or to, to take half of it. Or they would get hit by this full force. Kind of like a re, uh, retribution. Or retributive spirit mm-hmm. type mechanic. So that... Whoever died first would have something, something
1: to do. Or just, so. you know, tomato being thrown from the audience.
0: Exactly. Uh, <laughs> it's it's That's one of those things where it could be like a plink of two or, you know, 24. So, I and I just, I love using D12s. Like, not enough stuff uses D12s. Very true. So, usually in my home brews, I like D12s. Yeah. It's, it's fun. But yeah, so that's another kind of example of an arena type map uh, even though it was used for for PvP and not for necessarily story all.
1: Mm-hmm. definitely that's cool and yeah I did find it so I'll have a link to it uh, in the
0: uh, show notes fantastic um, alright so with that out of the way let's kind of move on um, and talk a little bit about our community shout out and move into uh, kind of what we are doing in our games. That was a sneak peek. That was half mine. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Wait, it was what? a lot of fun. You had an arena fight in yours. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, that no, that one was, that one was a ton of fun. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited that we were able to kind of get that done and, And that the mechanics ended up working out fairly well um, for the most part. Uh, So if people are interested, I would be happy to post um, along with the map, like uh, some of the mechanic type stuff. If anybody wants to run it with, with their groups as well. Um, So for our community content, shout out tonight, we have underwater campaigns and this is on the dungeon masters guild. This is pretty cool. Um, there's a reason people don't usually run underwater campaigns.
1: Is that reason air?
0: That is one of the reasons. Oh, okay. yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, but also they are complicated and can be very hard to run as most uh, water is considered difficult train and most characters do not have a swimming speed inherently. Yeah. But this is basically a guide to running underwater campaigns so or or arcs of underwater campaigns or sessions of underwater campaigns. Uh, perfect resource for exploring the wonder danger of underwater worlds and adventure oceans, lakes, rivers, sewers, and flooded ruins. Whether you want to add an aquatic room in your dungeon, flesh out trade with ocean creatures, or create an epic tale 20,000 feet below, this is for you. So there's random underwater encounters. There's more uh, fleshed out underwater rules for combat, uh, new monsters, um, NPCs, uh, magic items, uh, new disease mechanics, underwater locations, uh, tons of of art and everything. So if you're looking, uh, if you have some sort of underwater kite content planned or a campaign that is water based, or (laughs) if you're on a ship a whole lot uh, in the water, this supplement may be for you.
1: Yeah. Just looking at the, the table of contents, there's a lot of really cool stuff under here. Like, uh, you know, I'm always a big fan of, uh, you know, magical items and stuff. Um, there's some neat, uh, things that they, they talk about like just difficulties and just different like hazards and everything. Um, shipwrecks that is just really cool as someone who's a big fan of sea of thieves and the idea of uh just going underwater and finding a shipwreck and you know doing whatever with it that's really cool or as a or fan of whatever the Mermaid, might be there you know, yeah exactly you never know you mm-hmm. never know but uh yeah no this looks really cool i'm glad that you brought this up because i mean as of right now in my campaign I don't see them going uh, to the ocean anytime soon but you never know. And uh I'd love to be prepared.
0: Yeah. Totally. Um so we'll have the link to that of course in the show notes on thendiscussions.com. Definitely. Um and finally, of course, as always, uh we're going to talk a little bit about what we're doing in our home games. Uh since I already spilled like half of it from my <laughs> one of my campaigns. Uh, ben, what have what have you been doing? Uh, I've been planning a
1: lot. Um, the end of the year is the super busy time for me for work. Um, I was planning on originally last Saturday running the the campaign again, but uh, having worked nonstop for a few weeks beforehand, I thought you know what? I'm gonna take the weekend to myself, and have some time. Which was a very smart thing to do because it's funny, after I take those times, I realize that I know that I'm ready and and just getting back into the D&D mindset. When the next day I take a shower and my mind races to all these different ideas and stuff of what I could plan and what I can do. And I don't know about you, but the shower is the most productive D&D planning time that I have. So, Yeah. I it was a good idea for me to take that break, and I'm very happy that I did that.
0: So it is, uh, it is good. You, you need you need creative recharge. Exactly. Like, that's, like I, I take the back half of December off, pretty much every year, just for that for that thing.
1: Oh, Unfortunately,
0: yeah. most of my cool D and D stuff doesn't end up coming to me in the shower, but when I'm laying down for bed and trying.
1: Well, <laughs> make sure you have a notebook by the you know by the side of your of your bed. Yes. Yeah. But uh, I can tell you that, uh, you know, this time it's had me come up with a a few cool things that I hope to, you know, I hope happen. If they don't, they don't. Um, But I've shared some with Ryan uh, just to kind of suss out some details and some brainstorming on things. So he can attest that at least the mindset is there. So, yeah. So my players, um, hold on to your butts. Anyways, uh, Ryan, so what's the other half of what you did?
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's that's uh, your huge tease, Ben. Huge tease. It's just uh, I have heard some of the stuff, and I'm very excited for you to actually be able to talk about it.
1: Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it's it. A, it's a
0: bugger when, when your players listen to your show sometimes.
1: Yeah, but at the same time, I mean, I'm I'm just excited, ex- just as excited to reveal it to them as I am to you know listeners. So yes. it's it's gonna be cool, and I hope that they enjoy it. So far, they've liked yeah. everything else I've thrown at them. So we'll see what happens.
0: Good, good, uh, and it sounds like they're they're doing good and giving you feedback.
1: Yeah, definitely. That's awesome. Which I'm good very
0: always happy to hear. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, my uh, second campaign uh, with the Battle Royale was kind of uh, the intro to the year for the first one. I've got their main session starting up again uh, this weekend. But the, uh, this last Friday, I played the first session with my other campaign. And we left things off on a pretty big cliffhanger as they were stealing an airship and trying to fly it away. Oh, that's uh, from, right. Yeah, from a town that was not super friendly, and speaking a language that they couldn't understand. It uh, so our artificer was able to get a rudimentary grasp of the controls, <laughs> and uh, they they took off. Um, soldiers and jetpacks and heavy armor followed large blasts from some sort of weapon from the town smashed into their, their ship. Wow. Uh, and so we, I, I broke out the virtual tabletop and we had this chase slash midair battle scene. Um, and it was, it was super cool. So well, one of them was like trying to fly the ship and direct it and stay ahead to keep too many enemies from piling up. At once, uh, the other three were out on deck trying to keep the soldiers from landing and getting to apparently the captives that they found in two different cages uh, on the underside uh, in the hold of the ship. And so they hadn't had time to talk to them at all yet because running for their lives and whatnot, they stole stole something that uh, they shouldn't have. And so uh, it was super fun the the whole sequence was super fun because it was interesting to see all the creative ways they used to try and deter or defeat the assailants before they even got to the ship. And so things like uh the <laughs> the druid did a hold person on one of them. Ooh. And I said roll a d20 we were going odds and evens uh odds was up evens was down uh so he rolled and he rolled evens and with no control because the body of the soldier was paralyzed straight down (laughs) into the the tree canopy and oh no little little (laughs) explosion so that was that was super fun um our monk was able to was just like, can I just hit the jetpacks when they land? And I was like, yeah, you you totally can. Uh, so she ended up smashing the jetpack and then kicking them off the ship, uh, which was super cool. And I mean, they're taking a little damage and stuff as this was going on. Uh, and then one of the large flying suits of armor, uh, our pilot actually like can i just stop the ship and have him smash into it and i was like (laughs) you can try (laughs) and so i ended up stopping the ship the the larger suit of armored guy smashed into the ship fell down onto the deck uh and so they were able to get the jump on him uh our wizard was firing magic missiles all over the place Uh, and then our druid oh my gosh threw me for a loop big time and turned into a giant toad and started eating them oh that's great so uh ended up eating two of them and basically digesting them in the stomach acid (laughs) that does damage every turn Uh, So that was completely unexpected, but super fun for them. And so they were able to uh, barely um, outrun even uh, when a large mech attacked and ripped open a hole in their ship. They were able to to fend it off uh, and make a a getaway and went down and started uh, and opened the doors to the, the prisoners. Place and neither of them spoke anything. Our wizard has comprehend languages, which has been super nice for them. So he can understand what they're saying, but he can't actually say anything yeah, back that makes sense.
1: Exactly. So
0: one was like a like a thinner, gaunt, uh, lanky type man, probably in his early twenties that seemed to have like a rattier version of these house colors that they've, they've started seeing pop up. And the other was a small girl with this little, um, little like crystal necklace. And uh, the last thing that happened was she held it up. Uh, and I was like, she holds it, holds it up to you. Like she wants you to touch it. And so our wizard touches it. And I was like, you need to make a saving throw unless you, are willing is like i'll be willing and i was like oh look at you leap of faith <laughs> uh, and i was like you feel like someone's rooting around in your mind a little bit and then she takes the crystal necklace back um because it's just around her neck she was just holding it up and then in perfect common she starts talking to him oh and that's says, perfect. says like that's better and that's where i ended the session that's so. really good I'm really excited for what's next on that um, they've freed some prisoners and got an airship the sky is the limit literally so we'll see uh, we'll see where it goes
1: yeah that's really interesting I mean I love the world that you've been building with this so like hearing what they do is a is just a real treat because they don't have even close to the idea of what the actual world is. Cause I mean, you've, you've, you've told me about it and yeah. seeing them discover all this and, and hearing about it is
0: really cool. So, it's, it's super fun because this is a continent that I hadn't had built out a lot yeah. before this campaign. So in some ways, as they're discovering it, I'm discovering it too, which is super cool. Um, in a lot of ways. And I can't, can't wait to, to, talk about it more as as more discovered. very cool yeah. but that is it first episode of 2022 we've yes. got a lot more coming a lot of cool stuff hopefully a lot of cool guests will be popping up from time to time this year uh so be on the lookout for those things uh but until then ben why don't you tell everyone where we can be reached
1: Of course. Um, You know, we always love hearing from you, and one of the easiest ways to get a hold of us is going to be email. I know it's a little archaic. I know people are just like, oh, email, you funny-duddy, what are you talking about? Of course, I don't know why I have the old man voice while doing that. Anyways, but you can always send those emails to dndiscussions at gmail.com. If you have something that's, uh, you know, can be kind of boiled down to 280 characters or less, you can always tweet at us. Uh, That Twitter account is at DnDiscussions, which is you know super easy. We both have access to it, so we're able to see what's going on. Um, if you're looking for Ryan specifically, though, you know want to hear more about his arena uh, encounter or have any questions about maybe some of the gnolls that he is uh, run around with, you can always tweet at him. He is at TBKZord. And if you want to know what's going on with my campaign and uh, want to see little snippets here and there revealed as they're played, you can always follow me. I'm at Ben Bumhofer. Uh, Now, this show, DNA Discussions, guess what? This is the first episode you have ever listened to. There are 59 other episodes. And you can find them the same exact place that you're listening to this right now. Because guess what? That's how the internet works. And that's how podcasting works, too. But on top of that besides dn discussions ryan and i are both on a persistent campaign called plus five to hit now you can check that out also where uh, popular podcasts and unpopular podcasts are found uh it is a persistent campaign right now we're going through rhyme of the frost maiden and our newest session was a ton of fun uh with some uh you know the talk about upgrading encounters and everything mm-hmm. yeah exactly yeah. Yeah, we've got uh, some very talented DMs who've uh, run us through some great stuff, and uh, I'm really looking forward to more stuff as it happens. Because, oh man, there's some stuff on the horizon that I am so looking forward to. But uh, yep, in order to find n- out what that is, took a took a twist. Yes, plus five to just hit. Ten. Check that out. Our new our newest episode is uh, recently up, and the one that we just recorded will be up in a week or two. And I'm just excited. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But anyways, DN Discussions, if you enjoy this show, make sure to leave us, uh, you know, some likes, comments, all that fun stuff. Helps the algorithm, lets other people hear about us. And uh, you know what? You can joy, join in on the DN Discussions crew and stuff. I don't know. We don't have a name for fans yet. We'll figure that out. 60 episodes. We should have figured something. d players. There
0: you go. <laughs> Hopefully. Hopefully. that's kind of the That's kind of the target audience. Yeah. Tabletop RPG players. There you go.
1: There you go. Yeah, so until next episode everybody, thank you very much for joining us and be good to each other.
0: We'll see you next time.